Chapter Thirteen of Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag, Volume Five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sean Edborn. Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag, Volume Five by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter Thirteen: What Becomes of the Pins. Miss Ellen was making a new pincushion, and a very pretty one it promised to be for she had much taste and spent half her time embroidering chair covers crocheting tidies and all sorts of dainty trifles her room was full of them and she often declared that she did wish someone would invent a new sort of fancy work since she had tried all the old kinds till she was tired of them painting china carving wood buttonholing butterflies and daisies onto turkish toweling and making peacock feather trimming amused her for a time but as she was not very successful she soon gave up trying these branches and wondered if she would not take a little plain sewing for a change the old cushion stood on her table beside the new one which was ready for its trimming of lace and ribbon a row of delicate new pins also lay waiting to adorn the red satin mound and in the old blue one still remained several pins that had evidently seen hard service miss ellen was putting a dozen needles into her book having just picked them out of the old cushion and as she quilted them through the flannel leaves she said half aloud it is very evident where the needles go but i really do wish i knew what becomes of the pins i can tell you answered a small sharp voice as a long brass pin tried to straighten itself up in the middle of a faded blue cornflower evidently prepared to address the meeting miss ellen stared much surprised for she had used this big pin a good deal lately but never heard it speak before as she looked at it she saw for the first time that its head had a tiny face with silvery hair two merry eyes and a wee mouth out of which came the metallic little voice that pierced her ear small as it was dear me she said then added politely if you can tell i should be very happy to hear for it has long been a great mystery and no one could explain it the old pin tried to sit erect and the merry eye twinkled as it went on like a garrulous creature glad to talk after long silence men make many wonderful discoveries my dear but they have never found that out and never will because we belong to women and only a feminine ear can hear us a feminine mind understand our mission or sympathize with our trials experiences and triumphs for we have all of these as well as human beings and there really is not much difference between us when we come to look into the matter this was such a curious statement that miss ellen forgot her work to listen intently and all the needles fixed their eyes on the audacious pin not a whit abashed it thus continued I am called Granny among my friends, because I have had a long and eventful life. I am hearty and well, however, in spite of this crick in my back, and hope to serve you a good while yet, for you seem to appreciate me, stout and ordinary as I look. Yes, my dear, pins and people are alike, and that rusty darning needle need not stare so rudely, for I shall prove what I say. We are divided into classes by birth and constitution, and each can do much in its own sphere. I am a shawl pin and it would be foolish in me to aspire to the duties of those dainty lace-pins made to fasten a collar. I am contented with my lot, however, and being of a strong make and enterprising spirit, have had many adventures, some perils, and great satisfactions since I left the factory long ago. I well remember how eagerly I looked about me when the paper in which I lived, with some hundreds of relations, was hung up in a shop-window to display our glittering ranks and tempt people to buy. At last a purchaser came, a dashing young lady who bought us with several other fancy articles and carried us away in a smart little bag humming and talking to herself in what i thought a very curious way when we were taken out i was all in a flutter to see where i was and what would happen next there were so many of us i could hardly hope to go first for i was in the third row and most people take us in order 
but cora was a hasty careless soul and pulled us out at random so i soon found myself stuck up in a big untidy cushion with every sort of pin you can imagine such a gay and giddy set i never saw and really my dear their ways and conversation were quite startling to an ignorant young thing like me pearl coral diamond jet gold and silver heads were all around me as well as vulgar brass knobs jaunty black pins good for nothing as they snap at the least strain and my own relations looking eminently neat and respectable among this theatrical rabble for i will not disguise from you miss ellen that my first mistress was an actress and my life a very gay one at the beginning merry kind and careless was the pretty cora and i am bound to confess i enjoyed myself immensely for i was taken by chance with half a dozen friends to pin up the folds of her velvet train and mantle in a fairy spectacle where she played the queen it was very splendid and snugly settled among the soft folds i saw it all and probably felt that i too had my part humble as it was it was faithfully performed and i never once deserted my post for six weeks among the elves who went flitting about with silvery wings and spangled robes was one dear child who was the good genius of the queen and was always fluttering near her so i could not help seeing and loving the dear creature she danced and sung came out of flowers swung down from trees popped up from the lower regions and finally when all the queen's troubles are over flew away on a golden cloud smiling through a blaze of red lights and dropping roses as she vanished when the play ended i used to see her in an old dress a thin shawl and shabby hat go limping home with a tired-looking woman who dressed the girls i thought a good deal about little viola as they called her though her real name was sally i believe and one dreadful night i played a heroic part and thrill now when i remember it go on please i long to know said miss ellen dropping the needle-book into her lap and leaning forward to listen better one evening the theatre took fire continued the old pin impressively i don't know how but all of a sudden there was a great uproar smoke flames water pouring people running frantically about and such a wild panic i lost my small wits for a time when i recovered them i found cora was leaning from a high window with something wrapped closely in the velvet mantle that i pinned upon the left shoulder just under a paste buckle that only sparkled while i did all the work a little golden head lay close by me and a white face looked up from the crimson folds but the sweet eyes were shut the lips were drawn with pain a horrible odour of burnt clothes came up to me and the small hand that clutched cora's neck was all blistered with the cruel fire which would have devoured the child if my brave mistress had not rescued her at the risk of her own life she could have escaped at first but she heard sally cry to her through the blinding smoke and went to find and rescue her i dimly recalled that and pressed closer to the white shoulder full of pride and affection for the kind soul whom i had often thought too gay and giddy to care for anything but pleasure now she was calling to the people in the street to put up a ladder and as she leaned and called i could see the crowds far down the smoke and flame bursting out below and hear the hiss of water as it fell upon the blazing walls it was a most exciting moment as we hung there watching the gallant men fix the long ladder and one come climbing up till we could see his brave face and hear him shout cheerily swing from the window-sill i'll catch you but cora answered as she shoved the little yellow head that shone in the red glare no save the child first drop her then and be quick it's hot work down here and the man held up his arms with a laugh as the flames licked out below as if to eat away the frail support he stood on all in one breathless moment cora had torn off the mantle wrapped the child in it bound her girdle about it and finding the gaudy band would not tie 
caught out the first pin that came to hand and fastened it i was that pin and i felt that the child's life almost depended upon me for as the precious bundle dropped into the man's hands he caught it by the cloak and putting it on his shoulder went swiftly down the belt strained the velvet tore i felt myself bending with the weight and expected every minute to see the child slip and fall on the stones below but i held fast i drove my point deeply in i twisted myself round so that even the bend should be a help and i called to the man hold tight i'm trying my best but what can one pin do of course he did not hear me but i really believe my desperate efforts were of some use for we got safely down and were hurried away to the hospital where other poor souls had already gone the good nurse who undid that scorched drenched and pitiful bundle stuck me in her shawl and resting there i saw the poor child laid in a little bed her burns skilfully cared for and her scattered senses restored by tender words and motherly kisses how glad i was to hear that she would live and still more rejoiced to learn next day that cora was near by badly burned but not in danger and anxious to see the child she had saved nurse benson took the little thing in her arms to visit my poor mistress and i went too but alas i never should have known the gay and blooming girl of the day before her face and hands were terribly burnt and she would never again be able to play the lovely queen on any stage for her fresh beauty was forever lost hard days for us all i took my share of trouble with the rest though i only suffered from the strain to my back nurse benson straightened me out and kept me in use so i saw much of pain and patience in that great house because the little gray shawl which i fastened covered a tender heart and on that motherly bosom many aching heads found rest many weary creatures breathed their last and more than one unhappy soul learned to submit among these last was poor cora for it was very hard to give up beauty health and the life she loved so soon yet i do not think she ever regretted the sacrifice when she saw the grateful child well and safe for little sally was her best comforter and through the long weeks she lay there half blind and suffering the daily visit of the little one cheered her more than anything else the poor mother was lost in the great fire and cora adopted the orphan as her own and surely she had a right to what she had so dearly bought they went away together at last one quite well and strong again the other a sad wreck but a better woman for the trial i think and she carried comfort with her poor little sally led her a faithful guide a tender nurse a devoted daughter to her all her life here the pin paused out of breath and miss ellen shook a bright drop off the lace that lay in her lap as she said in a tone of real interest what happened next how long did you stay in the hospital i stayed a year for nurse used me one day to pin up a print at the foot of a poor man's bed and he took such comfort in it they let it hang till he died a lovely picture of a person who held out his arms to all the suffering it oppressed and they gathered about him to be comforted and saved the forlorn soul had led a wicked life and now lay dying a long and painful death but something in that divine face taught him to hope for pardon and when no eye but mine saw him in the lonely night he wept and prayed and struggled to repent i think he was forgiven for when at last he lay dead a smile was on his lips that never had been there before then the prince was taken down and i was used to pin up a bundle of red flannel by one of the women and for months i lay in a dark chest meditating on the lessons i had already learnt suddenly i was taken out and when a queer round pinball of the flannel had been made by a nice old lady i was stuck in it with a party of fat needles and a few of my own race all with stout bodies and big heads 
the dear boy is clumsy with his fingers and needs strong things to use said the old lady as she held the tomato cushion in both hands and kissed it before she put it into a soldier's comfort bag now i shall have a lively time i thought and looked gaily about me for i liked adventures and felt that i was sure of them now i cannot begin to tell you all i went through with that boy for he was brave as a lion and got many hard knocks we marched and camped and fought and suffered but we never ran away and when at last a miny ball came smashing through the red cushion which dick often carried in his pocket as a sort of charm to keep him safe for men seldom use pins i nearly lost my head for the stuffing flew out and we were all knocked about in a dreadful way the cushion and the old wallet together saved dick's life however for the ball did not reach his brave heart and the last i saw of him as i fell out of the hasty hand that felt for a wound was a soft look in the brave bright eyes as he said to himself with a smile dear old mother hasn't lost her boy yet thank god a coloured lad picked me up as i lay shining on the grass and pins being scarce in those parts gave me to his mummy who kept me to fasten her turban quite a new scene i found for in the old cabin were a dozen children and their mothers making ready to go north the men were all away fighting or serving the army so mammy led the little troop and they marched off one day following the gay turban like a banner for she had a valiant soul and was bound to find safety and freedom for her children at all risks in my many wanderings to and fro i never made so strange a journey as that one but i enjoyed it full of danger weariness and privation as it was and every morning when mammy put on the red and yellow handkerchief i was proud to sit aloft on that good grey head and lead the forlorn little army toward a land of liberty we got there at last and she fell to work over a wash-tub to earn the bread for the hungry mouths i had stood by her through all those weary weeks and did not want to leave her now but went off pinning a paper round some clean clothes on a saturday morning now i wonder what will come next i thought as thomas jefferson or jeff as they called him went whistling away with the parcel through the streets crossing the park he spied a lovely butterfly which had strayed in from the country caught and pinned it on his hat to please little dinah when he got home the pretty creature soon writhed its delicate life away but its beauty attracted the eye of a pale girl hurrying along with a roll of work under her arm will you sell me that she asked and jeff gladly consented wondering what she would do with it so did i but when we got to her room i soon saw for she pinned the impaled butterfly against a bit of blue paper and painted it so well that its golden wings seemed to quiver as they did in life a very poor place it was but full of lovely things and i grew artistic with just looking about me at the pictures on the walls the flowers blooming on plates and panels birds and insects kept for copies and gay bits of stuff used as backgrounds but more beautiful than anything she made was the girl's quiet busy life alone in the big city for she was hoping to be an artist and worked day and night to compass her desire so poor but so happy i used to wonder why no one helped her and kept her from such hard yet patient waiting but no one did and i could watch her toiling away as i held the butterfly against the wall feeling as if it was a symbol of herself beating her delicate wings in that close place till her heart was broken by the cruel fate that held her there when she should have been out in the free sunshine but she found a good customer for her pretty work in a rich lady who had nothing to do but amuse herself and spent much time and money in fancy work i know all about it for one day an order came from the great store where her designs were often bought and she was very happy painting some purple pansies upon velvet and she copied her yellow butterfly to float among them 
the poor insect was very dry and crumbled at a touch so my task there was done and as my mistress rolled up the packet she took me to fasten it securely singing as she did for every penny was precious we all went together to the rich lady and she embroidered the flowers on a screen very like that one yonder i thought she would throw me away i was so battered now but she took a fancy to use me in various ways about her canvas work and i lived with her all winter a kind lady my dear but i often wished i could suggest to her better ways of spending her life than everlasting fancy work she never seemed to see the wants of those about her never lent an ear to the poor or found delight in giving of her abundance to those who had little to brighten their lives but sighed because she had nothing to do when the world was full of work and she blessed with so many good gifts to use and to enjoy i hope she will see her mistake some day and not waste her life on trifles else she will regret it sadly by and by here the pin paused with a keen glance at miss ellen who had suddenly begun to sew with a bright colour in her cheeks for the purple pansies were on the screen that stood before her fireplace and she recognised the portrait of herself in that last description but she did not fancy being lectured by a pin so she asked with a smile as she plaited up her lace that is all very interesting but you have not yet told me what becomes of the pins granny pins like people shape their own lives in a great measure my dear and go to their reward when they are used up the good ones sink into the earth and turn to silver to come forth again in a new and precious form the bad ones crumble away to nothing in cracks and dust heaps with no hope of salvation unless some human hand lifts them up and gives them a chance to try again some are lazy and slip out of sight to escape service some are too sharp and prick and scratch wherever they are others are poor weak things who bend up and lose their heads as soon as they are used some obtrude themselves on all occasions and some are never to be found in times of need all have the choice to wear out or to rust out i chose the former and have had a useful happy life so far i'm not as straight as i once was but i'm bright still my point is sharp my head firm and age has not weakened me much i hope but made me wiser better and more contented to do my duty wherever i am than when i left my native people long ago before miss ellen could express her respect for the worthy old pin a dismal groan was heard from the pincushion and a small voice croaked aloud alas alas i chose the rust out and here i am a miserable worthless thing whom no one can use or care for lift the ruffle and behold a sad contrast to the faithful honest happy granny who has told us such a varied tale bless me what possesses everything to-day exclaimed miss ellen looking under the frill of the old cushion to see who was speaking now there to be sure she found a pin hidden away and so rusty that she could hardly pull it out but it came creaking forth at the third tug and when it was set up beside granny she cried out in her cheery way try dr emery he can cure most cases of rust and it is never too late to mend neighbour too late for me sighed the newcomer the rust of idleness has eaten into my vitals while i lay in my silken bed and my chance is gone for ever i was bright and strong and sharp once but i feared work and worry and i hid growing duller dimmer and more useless every day i am good for nothing throw me away and let the black pins mourn for a wasted life no said miss ellen you are not useless for you two shall sit together in my new cushion a warning to me as well as to the other pins to choose the right way in time and wear out with doing your duty rather than rust out as so many do 
Thank you, Granny, for your little lecture. I will not forget it, but go at once and find that poor girl, and help her all I can. Rest here, you good old soul, and teach these little things to follow your example. As she spoke, Miss Ellen set the two pins in the middle of the red satin cushion, stuck the smaller pins round them, and hastened to put on her shawl, lest something should prevent her from going. Take me with you. I'm not tired. I love to work. Use me, dear mistress, and let me help in the good work, cried Granny, with a lively skip that sent her out upon the bureau. So Miss Ellen pinned her shawl with the old pin instead of the fine brooch she had in hand, and they went gaily away together, leaving the rusty one to bemoan itself and all the little ones to privately resolve that they would not hide away from care and labour, but take their share bravely, and have a good record to show when they went at last where the good pins go. End of chapter 13 Recorded by Sean Edvorn